to the fourth episode of Point of View Uncensored. Again, my name is Dr. Renaissance. Um, I'm an educator um, as well as a activist. I'm happy to be back. My name is Jake Glazier, Dr. Jake. I'm a professor, psychologist, and a therapist part-time. How you doing, everybody? I'm DJ or DJ the Great, uh, historian, philanthropist, and uh, a bit of an activist. And thank you for having me again, Dr. Renaissance. No problem. So today we have a special guest um, to, uh, for, with us today. He goes by the name of uh, Desmond Morrow. He was a, a former NFL player and also um, a person, a victim of police brutality. And I'll let him speak and give his introduction on um, more about who he is and what he does now. So how are you doing today, uh, Desmond? Fine. Uh, I appreciate you having me on here. Um, like you said earlier, it was a blessing. The way I met you, the way we came across, just a real genuine dude. So I appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, I was a, a former NFL player, played for the Texans, played for the Buccaneers. And then um, I was a victim of police brutality. And since then, now um, I do speaking engagements. I train kids. Um, I have a little league football team. Um, I'm a founder of a crypto coin called Famcoin. Um, I do a lot of things. Uh, I'm in the community. Uh, you know, I'm giving back to people. And, you know, just kind of trying to get away from the whole police brutality victim thing, trying to turn it into, you know, I'm a victor and this is what happened after that. So that's, that's what I'm doing now. Good and perfect. Let's, so let's go into that um, real quick because I know a lot of people may not be familiar with your case. So if you want to give us a, a brief synopsis of what happened with that particular case um, with you being stopped by the police and how they all, be, all how did that all come about? Um, yeah, it was just a, a, a situation, uh, like a like a road rage incident, I guess you can call it, um, and with, with racism involved um, to an extent. So like I was telling you guys earlier, uh, you know, I was just driving up the street, going to get a haircut, simple day. Um, two Caucasian guys harassing me, you know, threatening me up and down the street. And it gets to one point, um, they throw a cup of coffee at me through my car. So, you know, somebody hits you with a hot cup of coffee, you're going to be like, you obviously would be mad or, or you have some type of emotion, but it was just so overwhelming. What happened to me, I was just kind of like in shock, you know? And by that time when I was in shock and everything was like, did that just happen? They kind of, they pulled off. So I was following them to get their, um, their license plate at least. So I, that could help me at least if I was going to the police. But as I was getting, uh, you know, approached by the police, I guess before that they had called 911 and flipped the story said that I was chasing them um, because I was just an angry black man with a bunch of guns and, and things like that. So that's what set the tone of the, the encounter initially with the police. And then um, I don't know if, if many people have seen the video, but in the video, um, they choked me, they slammed me, uh, they knocked my tooth out. One of my, my tooth is still out on this side. Um, you got a pretty, you got to slam or hit somebody really hard to knock off these side teeth, like to just smooth come out your mouth. So um, that happened. And then on top of that, I had five felonies and three misdemeanors, um, all from this cop saying I was spitting on them, kicking them, headbutting them, um, resisting arrest, obstructing justice. And honestly, it's like without that video, it would have just been my word against his. And then if you've seen the follow-up video from the dash cam, this is kind of like what they do. Cause he's in the back of the car laughing with his partner. He's like, 
I believe he says something along the lines. He says, uh, he says, hell yeah, I took that motherfucker. But but I ain't writing that shit down. So it's like to hear them say that, it's like, wow, without this other video, like my life could have been real different with five felonies. I'm black. I got 35 tattoos. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would have been hard for me to like, you know what I'm saying, get a job and survive out here. But I got a strong faith and I believe in God and that's the way I was raised. So that's why I believe like everything ended up working out in my favor. And I say that because the cop ended up getting charged. Then he got felonies Then he went to jail. Now he can never be a cop or any type of security or law enforcement ever again. Like it took a while for it to change in my favor, but like um, for once the justice system, it worked. So. I'm, I'm, that's a blessing that you you were able to get through all of that. Like more power to you. So this happened in Henry County, Georgia, correct? Correct. Um. So with the two guys that that threw coffee on you, like how were they able to just they just came up to your car and just threw coffee for no reason? Like there was nothing that caused them to do that. Like I always tell people, when I first got here, my place still said Ohio. So you know, I don't know why they chose to you know like pick me out. But what they were saying to me as we we're going up the street, they're like, take your black ASS back to Ohio, go back up north, like all this like crazy stuff you will see in a movie. Like it was just like weird. And I'm like a real calm person, you know what I'm saying? I don't really lash out until it's like time for me to react or something. Like I, I can, I always keep my mind stronger than my emotions. That's something I try to do. So it was like, I was looking at them like, man, these two young white kids, like, they don't even know, like, I'm not even racist or nothing. Like, I train all type of kids. Like, I love kids. Like, they're like teenagers. So it, from my perspective, it was like, y'all not about to get no reaction out of me. So maybe that angered them more and made them more frustrated. And we went to, like, two, three lights down the road. And, you know, they got in front of me. They were brake checking me. Um, you can see all this on the cameras going down the, the highway. But, yeah, and then we got up to the light and I just had my window down with my music up trying to ignore it and they were on my side and then just just came out of nowhere. So So this so where so this happened at a gas station that they threw coffee on you? Like where did where was this where where was all this happening at? It's on Jonesboro Road, um in Henry County. It's like a main uh like road out there. Um, we weren't we weren't at a gas station, but they had just came from a Dunkin' Donuts that's right on that same road, like right before the speedway. I think it's by like exit two. I think it's exit two twenty one or two twenty two, something like that. Jonesboro Road, but there's a big Target center out there and a Walmart, a bunch of stuff going on over over there. So, uh, hi Desmond, how are you doing? I'm good, bro. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm curious. Um, your take or your thoughts on why do you think that those police officers felt like it was okay to treat you that way? Um, speaking specifically to Officer Rose, like knowing the ins and outs of the case and like his track record and like things he's been reprimanded for, suspended for, it's like I was just another black dude that he didn't like that day. Like it was, this is like what he does. Like he would write stuff, write wrong, wrong reports, falsify statements. All of these things led to his demise. Like he finally got caught on camera. That's all it was. So I was no different that day. He just got caught on camera. So. 
Do you live in that area? No, I don't. Oh, cause you just riding through. No, well, that day I lived in that area for sure, yeah, for sure. But now, okay. Um, this is what I wanted to ask you. Do you think that, um, do you feel that black people calling the police is actually a good thing? Um, a, a train of thought that went through my mind was. Are there any regrets that you have? Is there anything that you could have done differently? And that led me to the question, is it beneficial to actually call the police? Because personally, when I think of certain situations, I kind of de-escalate myself from calling the police, thinking that it could not go in my favor. So do you think that is beneficial for black people to typically call the police um well in this in this specific situation i actually never called the police they called the police. i never actually like where i'm from like i'm from the hood bro like we don't think to call the police you know what i'm saying that's not something we think like call the police you know what i'm saying like for a lot of reasons you know stupid stuff snitches get stitches like the way we just grow up we mentally trained and we products of our environment. So I didn't even call the police. The situation made me just black out so much and I was following them to like get their license plate, like just, or anything to see, to get up on them, anything. I was just like blacked out, like following them. So I'm trying to like get up on them and I'm following them in this, this target parking lot. And literally before I look up, I just noticed like, once I kind of like snap out of it, Cause you know, like sometimes something can make you just react and you kind of like zoned out. So I'm driving, I'm just looking, I'm like, dang, it's like so many people just like flagging me down, trying to get me to stop, trying to get me to like come to. And it's like, that helped. And then once I got out the car, it was just like police coming from everywhere. It was like a movie. But to answer your question, like, I don't, I don't think it's good for black people to call the police because especially we're like, in a black community, like let's take Chicago for instance. Chicago, that's a real dangerous place. You got these black people, you got these GDs, BDs, vice lords, all these gangs with these black people. And then you take these Caucasian or whatever non-black black men or women that aren't in those communities and you want them to police those communities. They don't even live there. They there for those hours and then they go back to the suburbs. They know nothing about what's going on. And then you can't, like, this is what I tell people all the time, you can't ignore the human factor. Like, yes, they're a police officer, but you're forgetting that you want them to come on a scene where there's a shootout. It's crazy stuff going on. Yeah, they're going to go there because they're a police officer, but in the back of their mind, I bet you some of those cops, they just like, they're scared. And in some of those instances where you got encounters with Black people and you can't deny that some of those white men or white officers, they're probably scared, bro, because they're human. Like, they they really actually could be scared. So I don't think it's good for us to call the police. Yeah, I agree with you. So um, how has it um, changed your life, like, changed your life as far as, like, mentally? How's your mental since that situation has happened? People ask me that all the time, and it's like, if you real about that question, you can't even answer it. Like, I'm good, I'm okay. Cause you don't really know. You don't really know until like you like test it for real. It's kind of like 
like to bring it to football, it's like if I tear my ACL and I tell everything in my knee and you guys are my coach, I can tell you like, yeah, I'm ready, coach. Like, I'm ready. Like, put me in. But I really don't know I'm ready until I get on the field because I can go through practice and think I'm ready too. But even then, I'm not ready until I go one-on-one against a receiver on a different team and I test my knee out. So certain situations that let me know, like, mentally I'm not there yet or mentally I'm better because, like, it's tough. Like, people think, like, oh, you won this case, you did that. But I had, like, 3,000 followers before that happened. Now I got 40, 50,000 followers. I get 3 million views on videos and, or hundreds of thousands of views on videos. And then you get, like, ex-cops. They got these groups and stuff. They DM me. They, they attack me. They harass me. The police in Henry County harassed my family. Um, they would follow us, like, you know what I'm saying? They would they would do crazy stuff to us, like, that I can't really speak on, but it's like, it's deeper than what you see for sure. And then it's like, mentally, I could be having a good day, right? But then I log on Instagram and my first 35 messages are, you dumbass nigga, you did it for the money, you're, you're worthless, it's like, I'm mentally tough, right? I understand that. That's not who I am. That's not who they're talking about. But in the beginning, it was so hard to go through all that. Like, everybody's just attacking you via social media. Like, it's like, it's, it's definitely mentally draining. Yeah. That, uh, uh, thank you for sharing that, Destin. You d- touched on a topic that we have brushed up against but haven't really delved into. And that is, you know, what over the last year has been called uh, maybe defunding the police. Uh, that might not, not be a good way to, to talk about it, but police reform, let's say. Um, and so, you know, I'm curious, uh, you, your take in terms of, you know, you have these these uh, competing interests, you know, I see on social media sometimes that comes across say blue lives matter. Right. But that takes away from the origin of the movement, black lives matter. Uh, and the notion of this kind of historical systemic racism, um, that is built into our society. And so I didn't know your thoughts on, um, this issue of police reform and how we can reform the police to better serve us. I think for the police to better service, we could go back to my point that I was making earlier. Like, you need to be more involved and more in tune with the environments that you're policing. You know, you can't keep hiring these people from the suburbs then you throwing them in the inner city. You can say what you want. When they put on that badge, when they put on that shirt, that they heart still pump when it pump. Like, whatever's in you is what it's gonna pump in a time of danger, conflict, or fight, fight or flight situations. So if they're scared or they're nervous or they're desensitized or they're they're scared from what they see on TV, because now what you deal with, you got these cops, they watch TV, they have Instagram, they have YouTubes, but they're human. You want them to go to work after they just seen all these black people hate white men. Do you think it's easy for these white men to do their job now? Like I look at things from both sides because you have to, like you have to be, you have to be, unbiased to the situation like you have to respect that those white men or white women or anybody that's not black some of them are probably scared 
because of what they see on TV, because they feel like black people hate them or don't want to be around them or they're going to shoot them or kill them at a traffic stop. So once you inflict fear in any situation, in any given situation, a man is defined to how he responds to that situation. But if you add fear to it, you're going to get different results because fear is very real when some, someone is scared of a situation. So I just feel like to, to your point or to your question, defunding the police and, and better policing, it should initially start with coming together and everybody at least trying or attempting to understand each other. If we can understand each other and it's not like, oh, that's just this white dude, he's a cop, fuck 12, fuck this, fuck that. Like, get off of that too. Like for black people, you can't just be fuck the police, fuck 12, you can't be like that either. You know what I'm saying? Cause what if a situation comes when you need the police to save your grandma? Cause this knucklehead just robbed her or stole her purse, you know what I'm saying? Like it goes hand in hand. But I feel like if everybody would just humble themselves and understand like, bro, you know different than me you know better than me. Like we all in this together, bro. Like whatever happened, we all gonna die. Like literally that's the only thing you promise when you're born that you gonna die. You're not promised a good job. You're not promised to go to college. You're not promised to get married. Every person is gonna die. So it's like, do the best with your time on earth, bro. And be good to people, like for real. That, that's what I would say to that. Just be good to people and it will be better policing out here. You said earlier that you you were charged with um uh five felonies. Yeah. And those are still standing or has that status changed any? I got I got all my charges dropped. Um oh. like I was yeah, that's why I was saying that earlier that like it worked in my favor. I got all mine dropped and then the cop ended up getting charged and he went to jail and I was, you know, it flipped at the, the that's why I, that's why I like my name on Instagram. It's like I beat the odds. Like, what are the odds of a black man getting five felonies? A cop saying he kicked them, spit them, all this stuff, and then like a cop gets the charges. It gets flipped. Like, it just don't happen like that. Then you allowed to tell a story too. So that's definitely the biggest blessing of the all. And I say this all the time. Like coming from the hood, you really taught to not use your emotions and it really messes us up as black men. Like, cause it's like, if you show emotions or anything or express yourself coming up, it's deemed as a weakness. But it's like, I've learned going through this, like I really need to heal and like recognize things. And that's one of the biggest things like survivor's remorse because, and this sound, this might sound crazy. And it's like, I don't know if I think like, well, I'm gonna just say it and then I explain it. So it's like, Sometimes you wish you died, right? I say that because it's like, it's like, so the people, the people that die, right? They don't have to deal with replaying it. You know what I'm saying? The trauma, the, the, the media, the CNN interviews, the ABC, the, all that stuff, the ESPN, all that stuff I had to do, like the video over and over. The people, the people back home making videos of you crying, talking about you can't breathe, like, you know what I'm saying? The the driving, you on a date with a girl and you start peeing on yourself, but she don't know why, but you can't really like find the words to tell her like, man, it's a cop behind me and this this shit got me nervous. Like, and, and, I, and it, it's like, it's fucked, like it's fucked up, but like, I can't even tell you. So I'm gonna just let you judge me. Like, 
and tell everybody that I peed on myself, you know what I'm saying? But like mentally, it just like, if it'll fuck you up though, like, damn, my son, nine years old, he don't even do that. But I can't control it because it's like it's something that happens to me when I see police. But it don't happen all the time, which makes it worse because I'm always anticipating even more like, dang, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? So sometimes you wish like, dang, what if I would have died? Like I wouldn't have to deal with none of that extra stuff. So yeah, survivors are more, it'd be, it's, it's real for real. Because it's like certain conditions that I carry now that I wish I didn't, but it just make me understand that I'm, I'm stronger than I think. So I, I do have one more question. Um, I was I was thinking and talking about this earlier. A lot of people come from like the perspective that if you do everything right, that does decrease your chance of incidences like that. What are your thoughts on that? Like, I get pulled over. Let me just completely relax, chill out, do everything that they say. Um, you know, let me go along to get along or. Let me be as compliant as possible, and this type of thing wouldn't happen to me. Which, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's there's any truth to that, or this is an example of that being the opposite? I really don't think it's any truth to that because, like, people get this this idea in their head that just because someone has a job or a title that they're supposed to work that way or do it that way, and it's like you can't do that without respecting the fact that, that it's, it's the human factor in it, right? And I'm saying that because on that day, that cop, well, not even that day, a week before that, and I'm telling y'all like just extra details within like the, the paperwork. He, he had just um, finalized his divorce with his wife, right? And lost his kid and, and all this stuff. So add that on the top of the fact that he don't even like black men. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, it don't matter if I did nothing right, bro. It was just my day and it was me. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's why it's like, that's just what it is. That's why I don't, I don't, I don't cry about it. I don't complain. It's like, I was just chose that day, bro. You know what I'm saying? Whether it was God, whether it was him, anything I went through through that situation, I was chosen for it. So it was like, to answer your question, like, nah, that don't matter. Cause it's like, bro, I was driving a, a avalanche truck. You know, that's a, a big, four-door truck with the, with the bed and everything. They stripped my whole car looking for guns for an hour. I'm telling them, like, I don't have no gun on me. So I'm saying I have to say, like, he was so adamant about finding a gun. Like, if I could get y'all the video from my lawyer, it's like he was coming back, like, where is it? I know you got it. Like, all those things, it's like, nah, if somebody got it out for you, they just got it out for you, bro. So that's my answer. Um, I have a question about the so the, the original perpetrators, the original perpetrators that threw the coffee uh, on you. Did anything happen to them? Did they get any repercussions for their actions? Nothing happened to them because, <clears throat> once again, me being me from the inner city, I would have had to go to court and testify to them and all and all that. I was like, man, I don't want to do that. They some young kids. Like they made a mistake. I don't want to mess their life up because they would they would have got drugged through all of that. Just think former NFL player, all this attention, they would have been all on CNN, all, all that stuff would have went with them. And it was like, I could be the bigger person and take the higher road and just be like, look, they made a mistake, they young, like, just leave them out of it. So I just was like, nah, I ain't testifying against them. I don't want to go to court. I don't want nothing to happen to them. 
it's just some young kids to me. Yeah. So they were kids that did that? I mean, to me, they kids. One of them was 18 and one of them was like 20. I'm 33. They kids to me. They young. But, but they called the police, right? You said what? One of the same ones that called the police? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's the same ones. But, oh, wow. but you know, like, you know, like, if you want to press charges or somebody, you got to go through with it. You got to do all that other stuff. And it was like, bro, I, and, and honestly, like, sometimes you catch a break in a situation because the other person just got so much they dealing with. Like, I was under attack, bro, by so much. It was like, I just didn't want to deal with that, too. Honestly, I was mentally right. just broken as a person. I just had to find myself. I had a lot to do besides deal with them, for real, bro. It, it would have been too much on your part. I understand that. Yeah, so they kind of got a blessing with it. Uh, Desmond, you mentioned earlier um, looking at communities, how they can police themselves or have officers that are kind of interwoven into that community as maybe a better means of uh, policing. Uh, we talked in a previous episode about the debate on critical race theory in the schools. What What is your take on two things, on police cameras, which I know really saved you in this case, and then also implementing better uh, racial sensitiv sensitivity training um, for police officers? That what you said last is like the biggest key because, <clears throat> and this is what I learned like, there's so many like, like cultural, like, like breaks between people or like, you know, what I'm saying like gaps between us sometimes that we don't even understand like certain mannerisms or demeanors to be what they are. And what I mean by that is like, sometimes if you big and black because there's levels to it. There's black men that are light-skinned, right? And this is just real tough. Sometimes a light-skinned man, he's not deemed dangerous. Like some people just, he don't look dangerous. White people will accept him more. That's just what it is, right? Then you take this dark man like me, like I'm real dark. And it's like, all right, you look dangerous. Then it's like, whoa, you got neck tattoos. You got tattoos everywhere. That makes you look more dangerous. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it has to be, you got to start with stuff like that, like how we judge each other for real, because it's like, if you're just coming up on the scene and, you, and you're this little five foot five white woman from the suburbs and you just pull up on me, you're probably nervous to some extent. And, and I get it, I get it, I really do get it. Like it's probably intimidating. You're five four, I'm six three, I'm tatted everywhere, muscles, whatever, but that don't mean that I'm guilty for what you just came on this scene for. That doesn't mean nothing. You That doesn't mean anything on the way to this call. You should think nothing. Just because a person is calling frantically, oh, there's, there's a black man chasing me with guns. That doesn't mean clutch your AK tighter when you get out the car. That shouldn't mean, it shouldn't mean any of that. It should mean like, all right, this is a black man. Let me assess the situation. Let me judge him, you know what I'm saying, from my own understanding, but like to to that point, like and answer your question, it's like, if it would start there, like with the training, like, you know, you just go through certain situations and you have to break it down to its core. Like, all right, this is a white person. This is a black person. Like, and just keep it real with the people that are in training. Like, what would you do if you came to this call, but it was in the suburbs? 
what would you do if you were in this call? But it was in this inner city. Like it has to start there. You can't just throw somebody who qualifies from the suburbs into the inner city. And here you go, J1. Welcome to the force. So our body cameras, uh, part of the solution too, do you think? No, because they can turn them off. Like in my situation, he turned off his body cam. So I got my video from bystanders and the dash cam in the back of his car that he forgot to turn off. So he, he just forgot to turn it off. Or maybe it was like a adrenaline or something that was going, he forgot, but he turned off his body cam. He just forgot to turn off the dash cam. So, I mean, and then it's like the thing with the justice system is let's say, let's say you two have a video you, you two right here, you got a video of a cop. He's raping this girl, right? But he turns off his body cam. If he turns off his body cam, you have no proof that it happened, even though you know for sure it happened, right? And then all they do is give him like a slap on the wrist, like, okay, well, you're, you're obstructing justice. But it's like, no, the girl was raped and we had it on proof, but he turned it off. But since he turned it off, like nothing's gonna happen. And that's the part where like the community and the police, that's the disconnect because they can literally do that and stand behind their, uh, uh, what is it called? What's it called when you're, uh, their immunity? So they can stand behind their immunity in situations. And it's like, no, bro, you just turned off that camera. You just beat that black man to death. Like, but since you turned it off, like we just gonna rush past that. So it's like, no. Just the thought that came to mind, um, if I remember correctly, I think it kind of goes hand to hand with like education and with police officers, like the the change of roles in community. In the past, the teacher for this school was from this area and picked that job to better that community. The police officer was from this neighborhood and joined the police force to protect that area and rather than like uh, defunding the police, maybe incentivize those jobs to people and not just incentivize it, but also put a certain level of um, pride behind those jobs. Cause I know if you put police job paying 70 K, which I doubt they make in vine city, none of those people in that neighborhood are going to sign up for that because it's not a popular job to have in those type of communities. But I think that that's probably the, the best solution that from within you need to provide the types of opportunities for what you need in those communities. Yeah, I think that's the point. I'm sorry, go ahead. Des, I'm sorry. No, I said I think he, he just made a, a good point. Yeah, I think um, they kind of do that with, with teaching. Like when you like if you teach in a Title One school, which is like majority African American kids, they'll give you like a three thousand dollars stipend on top of your salary. So you're probably thinking of things like that. Like if you are police in this area, but then you have to tie it around people that live in that area too. Like if you if you live in this area and you want to work in this area, here's an incentive uh, on top of it. So I think they'll draw people. Um, to want to do so, I think I think incentives are always ways to get people to do to do things that typically they wouldn't want to do. 
Um, so that, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, my my next question before we go, on, we're gonna segue into a different topic. So, are you have you currently been through therapy? Um, after this, like, have you, are you are you are you attending therapy sessions or what are you doing to uh to I guess to to uh, help your uh mental issue? Um, yeah, I I do therapy. Um, I got like uh, pastors, um, like ministers and people that talk to me like that. I don't necessarily have like a I guess like a certified therapist um, that I talked to because I did have one, but it was like crazy. It's supposed to be like confidential. Like that's what my understanding, but like the whole Henry County and police thing, like, like they literally had everything in raps, bro. Like it was like a, it was literally like a movie. So every move I made or people I talked to, they were involved with the with the case like it was weird and that's what i'm saying is like the person was like relaying what i was saying from my sessions to the police or to people on the board because the board was involved in because you know you have the civil suit and the board votes on like it was just like real deep so that turned me away from like going to just like an actual therapist because that was my initial um experience so it's like i don't want to open up because i feel like they're gonna you know tell the police or the commissioners what i'm saying so interesting wow that's um and we we actually talked about that in our i think our first episode about um black people not want to go to a, a therapist or go to therapy um but i mean you gave a great reason like that's that's a great response like for somebody to tell tell your confidentiality i mean they should get reprimanded for that because that's that's definitely breaking all type of code violations and ethics violations. Uh, whatever they should get held accountable for that. Like it's like it's a dirty game with politics, bro. If you like, it, it's so many levels to this case that is just like deep. I've learned so much and became so knowledgeable because it's like I just seen the ins and outs. So it's like the, the politics of the situation. You got to think I'm, I'm going through a, a lawsuit. I'm trying to sue them, right? For money. All these commissioners are in this lawsuit, all their names, they're, they're being slandered. They're being, all this stuff is happening in the police force and you're trying to get this money from them. So all the way down to the littlest situation, right? This might sound little, but it's like big to them. If I go to my therapist and I tell my therapist, Oh, I'm getting better with this, or I'm getting better with that. They use it against me in the lawsuit. Well, he's not as traumatized as he thinks. His not uh, his damages, and it's like it's like it's just too much. You know what I'm saying? It's just too much. So that's why, like, I was just turned off. Like, I'm trying to tell my therapist like I'm improving with things, but then it's like backfiring because y'all doing this over some money, and it's like, like fuck the money, bro. Like I'm like trying to heal. Like what the fuck? <laughs> But that's what they cared about. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that is uh, a, a breach of ethics that the therapist broke confidentiality. And if that's true, uh, he, she, or they should lose their li- their therapy license. Um, but I think your point is uh, well taken um, in that, you know, the politics behind the whole process um, money's involved, and I think it creates an atmosphere where it's not conducive to your healing. And I mean, just listening to you, you know, being a psychologist myself, listening to your the some of the things you described earlier, uh, you, you know, it's 
sim- I, I'm not, this isn't a diagnosis, you know, obviously, but it's similar to PTSD. I'm sure, you know, experiencing, experiencing flashbacks, um, you know, anxiety, um, not doing the things that you once did, seeing a police car behind you, getting, you know, a rush of adrenaline. Um, so, you know, this, what that it's clear to me from a psychological perspective is that this was a very traumatizing, uh, experience, um, that's still, you know, ha- it's, you still haven't resolved. Um, so, uh, you know, I hope you can, can work through that or, you know, work it out. I'm sure time will, will help with that. And not only that, not only time, but uh, justice is what this is really all about. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head, bro. It's definitely a lot of like PTSD and like a lot of things I deal with, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like I said earlier, like learning to keep my mind stronger than my emotions, it got me like to where I am right now. Cause you know, I understand that, that the things I go through, they just prepare me for like the next level that God got for me. Cause it's like, I ain't even gonna lie. Some of the stuff I've been through, through this situation, like I didn't even know I was that strong. Like, but it's amazing to see like the things that have happened and like how God would just, you know what I'm saying, take your pain and like turn it into your purpose. Cause it's like all the people I could reach, you know, the the the, the fact that I met met bro right here, you know what I'm saying? The fact that I met him at a organic, you know, rally is the reason why we here um, having this conversation and it's not about money. I'm not trying to charge him. It's nothing like, I just wanna, I just wanna like, I just want to help the people. Like, that's just my heart. That's just who I am. And I feel like I had to go through all of that just to get right here to be in this position. And it's like, I go through all that again, just to be here to own, to inspire people, to motivate them. Because it's like the stuff I'm telling y'all, they never know I went through. Cause it's I, I, like, like, man, I, I don't know if y'all ever had to do a deposition, but that's like one of the craziest things, bro. Like I, I was, I was being interviewed and drilled. Not, not about the case, bro. I mean, it was part about the case, but like, I'm talking about my whole life. Like everything I've been through from nine in the morning to five at night with two 30 minute bathroom breaks. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's real. Like you, like people would never know what I went through to get to the where I'm at. Like before that I had a situation, my best friend tried to rob me back home. You know what I'm saying? I had to defend myself and fight for my life and shoot my best friend in the head. My first time ever shooting a gun. This is like what I've been through, right? And y'all dragging me through this deposition and slandering me and bringing this situation back up because you're trying to break me. Like, I'm emotionally traumatized by this situation. But even that came back up because of this situation. So it's like the things I've been through and the things I've seen, bro, I just really understand, like, I got a purpose. Like, that's why I walk light out here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I know it take a lot of humbleness and humility and just like being grateful. Like, cause it's really gonna hear by the grace of God. Like, bro, I'm supposed to, I ain't like, I don't like to say this, but it's like, I don't almost died or been through so many close situations that it's like, I know I'm supposed to be here, you know? Just like, I know I'm supposed to be talking to y'all right now. It's like, I don't really do nothing 
without purpose. So it's like, I just say all that to say, bro, like, like, like God is real. And I don't know what y'all believe in. And I'm not here to preach to nobody, but whatever you believe in, you know what I'm saying? Just understand that it's the reason you're here and it's giving you some type of purpose. And that's where those blessings coming from. For real. Um, so let's, I want to go a segue into, okay, so you were in the, the NFL. I'm sorry. You, so you were in the NFL. So did that happen before all of this happened or this happened? Like, how did all that tie into, um, to, to, to what you're doing now? Like, how did all that happen? Like, what's the timeline of that? So, yeah, so I, I was in the NFL long before that. I was in the NFL in 2011, uh, 12, and, and, and 13, like on and off teams. I went to Canada, too. I played for the uh, the Edmonton Eskimos. So I was out there for a little bit. Um, yeah, so that that was before that. And how was that? Ex- I mean, you you playing football, you playing for the NFL. Like, how was that experience? Like, how, how was that for you? Because I hear different stories of people, you know, that – that was in the NFL or in professional, uh, um, and then they kind of stopped after a few years. Now everyone has their own different story. So what 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 made you stop? I um I mean honestly, bro, and I don't know. I mean I've I've heard other other players say this. I just like lost my passion for it. You know, like I don't know if you've ever had something that you just kind of like lost your passion for it, or like you want something so bad your whole life and you dream about it and you get there or you get it. And it's just not what you thought. Like, like I don't know if anybody can attest to that. They wanted something real bad and they got it. And it's just like, because like it's it's a, and I'm saying that to say like, like my injuries played a part into it too. It's like you keep getting hurt. You have these catastrophic injuries. Like I tore I tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus, LCL, all that stuff. And I tore my hamstring off the bone. Like just crazy injuries. So it's like. It just got to a point like, do I really want to keep coming back from these injuries? Do I really want to keep rehabbing? Because once you get in the NFL, you're not guaranteed nothing. It's a job. So they get to cutting you. You just bought a house in Houston or rented a house. And now you're not in a Houston Texan anymore. You're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Oh, once you get cut in Tampa, now you got rent in Tampa and Houston. It's, it's just like a lot. So it gets to a point where you got to like just make the best decision for you and your family. Okay. Um. So we're gonna go into a little bit about um, politics because um, I, I, I look at you definitely as an activist. Because um, honestly, like seeing you at that rally, I mean, you, I think out of everybody, you probably had the most impactful. At least in my opinion, you had the most impactful um, speech. And I think I still have a recording a little bit of your speech when you spoke. I was actually looking at it today um, of you speaking about it, and somehow it must have cut off part of what you were saying. But um, the part that I did get was very impactful. Um, do you consider yourself like an activist, like building a purpose? Like, what do you like? What do you want to do as far as the um, like the things that you're doing? As far as what type of change do you want to see happen in our communities? Like, like, like I uh, well, as far as like the change in the community, I, I honestly believe that just starts with with all of us. You know what I'm saying? Like individually, like you just got to make your mind up that you want to be a part of that. Just like with anything, if you want to be a part of something and you're into it. Um, you'll give your best effort towards it, you know what I'm saying? So we could start with a group or finding people who who really want to be for change and not just for attention or clout because a lot of people don't know the Black Lives Matter movement, like a lot of it is fake and it's like for money. And I for sure can speak to that because I went through that. You know, they, they, they hop on cases 
they represent you, they get the cloud off the case, and then they they send you a check for that. So it's like, uh, was y'all really, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's like for another discussion, but that's just like real stuff. Every Black Lives Matter movement you see <clears throat> is not in favor of the people. So <clears throat> I want people to get that out of their head that everybody Black is for the movement. Like that's not what's happening either. So we need to understand that, open those doors to other people to come in and, and, and help us get to the, the ultimate goal of just like us being, you know, a, a better society, a better community, a better, a better you and I, you know what I'm saying? And that happens with everybody. We can't just keep this whole, cause, cause this is my unpopular opinion <clears throat> on black lives matter and all lives matter and all of that. Right. So people, I feel like a lot of people react off the media or off of emotion and they don't understand. Like sometimes they sound, crazy and i'm saying that to say like how can you say black lives matter but then the l the lgbt their lives matter the white people's their lives matter too the blue lives matter so basically you're saying all lives matter so how can you get mad when people say all lives matter and it's like little things like that would change the narrative because if everyone in this room is saying their life matters, then all lives matter. We can't keep this narrative that just because we're black, our lives should matter the most. The more we do that, the more you're gonna get conflict in situations where these white cops are scared of these of us. Like it's just never gonna work until everybody literally understands like, no bro, like you're saying like all lives don't matter, but they have to. Like, I get what y'all saying, like Black Lives Matter for sure, they do, but it shouldn't matter more than that white man's life. Like, tell me why it should matter more. And the more the black people think like that, we won't get nowhere either. We'll just keep, it'll be a revolving door. You know what I'm saying? So, but that's just my unpopular opinion. I, I literally feel like everyone's lives matter because if it doesn't, why, why do you make a big deal when the LGBT is mad or, or, or the women's society is mad or, or the, the whatever, they're mad because their, their life matters too, bro. So that is my opinion. And so um, even with right now with these mayoral races going on and these, uh, these council members running for positions, um, what do you think? I mean, all these people that's running, like what's going on in your head as far as what's going on like because i i believe and, and to be honest i believe not everyone that's running for position is, is really meant for the people i believe a lot of them are for clout so what do you say about those people that that are that there for clout and not necessarily there for the people that they're that they're claiming that they're running for um man i i from from going against like politicians and, and big companies and stuff like that bro it's like they they feed off the power, bro. Like the power and the people. Like they they literally go into situations where it's like they kind of like do what they want because they have the power. And and to that is just like you got these politicians or these people running for stuff. They got powerful people behind them, or they got money, or they got both. So it's like we could get upset and say our opinions about what they're doing and when it's going. But I feel like just like with anything, it don't really like come to the light till it does. Cause those, some of those people are just like really, really powerful in politics. So that's just my opinion. 
mean, that makes sense. Um, I'm not really a huge fan of a lot of the political options that are usually on the table. I feel like a lot of them are doctored up or presented to us or uh, funded in certain ways. And I'm a results person. I always look at the end result and the end result never equals anything like substantial or worth talking about. Um, Especially since we're talking about um, the mayor race. I've seen... (laughs) I've seen the transition of power being a a black person in Atlanta. I've seen it go from black man to black woman. And I'm pretty sure Kasim Reed's going to win again. And I've seen nothing favorable change for black people in any way. And and, and when you think about the people that's running, like Mayor Kasim Reed, Mayor Kasim Reed, um, I'm sure he, he, I know he had a couple of people that was on his team that ended up getting arrested for a lot of uh, corruption in his um in his his cabinet, yeah. And then you hear I, there's another person that's running for mayor, you know, and they're saying he has credit card fraud going on. So, I mean, what what how, what's your confidence in Atlanta? Do you feel like we're gonna have that leaders actually gonna do what they're supposed to be doing, or you know, not have these corrupted cases where we just focus on these corruptions and not actually focus on doing our job? I feel like that's the that's the norm. When I, I, I that's normal, bro. Like, like what bro was saying, like these candidates, bro, they be they be cookie cutter. They be they be presented to us for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Like the the, the people the people the people got the power. Like if the people say, if the people say, we well, all haven't had a woman here as mayor. And then they give us a, a female candidate. A lot of people gonna get behind that just to save face for their company and their big corporations. They're gonna get behind that because they don't want to be looked at. Oh, you're not promoting the woman, or you're not promoting a black woman, or if it's a if it's a, a a male and he's and let's say he's gay or something. People save face so much because of the almighty dollar, bro, that we get these situations and we gotta deal with them. It's just like it's just like in the NFL okay, there's not that many minority coaches, right? But you can't just be giving a black man a job because he's black and you want to serve the people so you get him off your back because you need a black coach and now your team is terrible. You know what I'm saying? You need a a good black coach. Like, you can't just get a black coach because the people are on you about why your coach is black. You know what I'm saying? Like, and now you're Xing out great white coaches that could have got that team to the playoffs. So it, it goes the same. It goes hand in hand, bro. And I use football analogies a lot because that's like it's the easiest way for me to like, you know what I'm saying, diagnose something. Cause I feel like football is one of the best teachers. It's like teamwork, accountability, discipline, like all those things you need in life. So it's like, it's like, like, no, nah, that that's that's just what I think about that. So uh in Atlanta. Uh, there's been a huge spike in crime. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't know the exact causes of it or the research behind it, but it kind of started during quarantine during the pandemic. And the current mayor, um, Keisha Lance Bottoms, is getting a lot of flack for the huge increase in crime. Um, 
And I'm curious, since, you know, with your experience um, with, you know, uh, the police, and I know that after the Black Lives Matter movement, the Atlanta Police Department had a bunch of officers resign in protests. And so there might be a connection between that and not being able to get new hires. Um, but what's your take on this connection between you know, defund the police, Black Lives Matters, and a, perhaps an increase in crime? Honestly, like, the way I feel about crime, like, how you gonna blame a mayor because one dude grabbed a gun and shot somebody else? Like, how you gonna blame her? That's a, to me, I think that whole logic is retarded because people are gonna do what they wanna do. If he wanna grab that gun and he mad enough to shoot him, you think he thinking about Keisha Bottoms? No. He don't care. So it's like, that's where they should start initially. Like, why are you blaming the mayor? Cause you know what I'm saying? Like, if you if you're from the hood, you understand, like, they probably don't even care about the mayor. For real. Like, if they really thug in and they in the streets, do you think they care about the mayor? Like, nah. So it's like that alone is like, let's get off of that narrative that like let's blame, let's blame the president for all the troubles in America. Like how? When there's cities, states, counties, all this stuff, like you're just gonna blame this man for like all that. Like, I just think that whole theory how people do that and blame people, like it's just like blaming the coach for the for the team's troubles. Like, I mean, yeah, that's cool, but this dude fumbled three times. That's why we lost the game, bro. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? If you could tie all of that in together, that Incidents like, um, I forget the guy's name who got shot at the Wendy's. Rashard Brooks. Rash, if the Rash, if, yeah, if, if the Rashard Brooks situation led to Black Lives Matter coming, um, defunding the police type of rhetoric was brought, put a lot of pressure on the police, and the result from that was a lot of people resigning that could be like a key factor of the increased crime on top of if you, if we're talking from like the, the mayor mayoral level, they're not being enough to offset the poverty and the usually crime is correlated with like poverty and lack of education. Like a lot of these people, don't have jobs and they don't have the necessary skills to get jobs that are available. So I feel like, uh, <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> Sorry. What were you saying? Uh, I, I really forgot what I was about to say, but it was something to the effect of like how he was talking about, um, wait, what did you say before, right before your last point, bro, if you can remember, He's on Rashard Brooks. Um, oh, yeah. How? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. Perfect. Thank you. How, like, you saying, like, how does it go hand in hand with the people who don't want to work there and, and defund the police? Like, I think, I think it would, I, one of you guys made a great point earlier and you said that they don't really make that much money. So it's like, let's just put it in, let's just make it make sense. You want to, you want us to work in this environment in Atlanta and 
with less force and people are jumping ship and you're already paying us pennies and Atlanta's already dangerous. And it's like, these people are like, nah, bro, I can go make 40, 50,000 doing something else, bro. I'll holler at you, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, y'all are creating more danger and more, it's just, it, I, I just look at it from the police perspective, man. It gotta be tough sometimes going out there with all this stuff going on in the world to be like, all right, I'm finna leave my family for this shift. And I just pray I make it home, bruh. Like, that's probably what some of them go through. So, like, I, I just don't have this stance of F the police because they're human, too. So, it's like, I feel them, bro. Like, you got to feel them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the only way for everything to make sense. Like, for me to go through that situation and be like, F the police and F that, that would do nothing for me. Like, internally, that would that would just break me and eat, kill me as a person. You know what I'm saying? Because that's not me. The me and me, like the God in me and the way I was raised, it's like, nah, bro, like, let's figure out a way for these police to be understood. Also, like, let's hear them. Like, if you want to be heard, you have to be able to listen. Keyword listen. That's a very good thing to segue into um, concluding our uh, our episode. So if anybody have any lasting comments before we um, end this episode? Uh... <gasps> Like me or you guys? Yeah, I I just want to say, you know, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story. Um, you know, I think your your intention is genuine and that you want to help others and help the community and raise awareness. And, um, you know, s- spending your time tonight uh giving it to us I, I, um really means a lot um and i'm sorry what you had to go through um it's i can't even imagine uh but um you know i'm glad that you're kind of um making lemonade out of lemons so to speak so thank you so much i, I appreciate that um i like i love I, I don't like i love you guys energy um like going through what I went through, like energy is like big to me. I can pick up where I should be, like what will help my mental capacity, what I shouldn't be around. So um, I just want to say thank you to you guys. And like, to your point for helping people, like just one more thing I want to say, like I'm from the hood, right? So my platform and what God has done for me and and the position he's put me in and, and how my father always says, like a man's gift will make room for him. It's now allowing me to, like, like I've created a, a coin, like I'm a founder of a coin and I represent this coin called FAMCOIN, right? So it stands for 40 acres and a mule. So it, it, it's, it's based on our, you know, our ancestors, our, our reparations, um, the things that we fight for as, as black people. Um, we want to introduce this crypto coin, right? So it's, it's, it's an opportunity for us to make our people more knowledgeable, um, you know, more educated on things that go on out here. Um, ways to make money, different ways to get into the stock exchange, you know, the crypto game. And I'm, I'm one of 31 founders on that. Um, it was it was headed up by, you know, a guy named Brian Edwards and, and, and Jay and, and Joe. And, and I just want people to know that those guys mean so much to me more than money that it's hard for me to describe that every day I wake up and I hop in my fam chat and yes, it's about a coin and yes, we're trying to, you know, change the narrative and get our people familiar with, you know, um, you know, like finances and and things like that and funding and and giving back to the community. But when you ask me if I have a therapist, 
those 31 men kind of like are so therapeutic to me because coming from where I come from, I've never seen that many black men just get along, bro. And just want to do something positive. So just the message behind the fam coin and what we're doing and, and things like that. I want people to tap into that too, because things like that are what like make me happy because it's like, all right, God, that's why I went through all that because I get to help this little knucklehead in the hood that wants to be a shooter because he likes NBA young boy. But I was literally talking to him about a crypto coin because of my influence. So I feel proud of myself and proud of like everyone around me that's helped me get to this point that I'm using my influence, you know, like for something good. So. No, I just think it's real, uh, real noble of you to have such a positive outlook on things to not have like, um, like a, a revenge in your heart or even to speak so highly um, of the people who put you in the, the situation, like the, the two younger kids, or even to not have any like anger in your heart towards the police overall. Um, I guess that's rare and refreshing. Um, and also to, to be someone who wants to take that experience and to sow it into other people's lives so that you, you can make a change. That's, that's real stand up of you. So I commend you on that. For sure. Respect, bro. Respect. And I personally want to, you know, thank you for even like taking the time to uh, even get on this, get on this uh, Zoom and to do this show. Cause like, you know, like I've, I've, I've talked to and contacted number, numerous, a number of activists, you know, and different people that's out in the community. It's like only you and one other person actually like came back and responded back. So that just speaks volumes to what your purpose is, you know, and, uh, and what we have to do, you know, moving forward. You know, as far as getting everybody else on the same um, same accord with, you know, living out their purpose and actually, you know, living for the people. To your point, like what purpose, like what people don't understand is purpose don't mean like what I'm making the most money off of or, or what I'm getting the most attention off of. If you doing your purpose and you live in your purpose, it will provide, you know what I'm saying? It will fill your needs. You know what I'm saying? Off rip, like that's what it's going to do because you're living your purpose. So if you, if people could just like get it off of money and just keep it about like, bro, do the right thing and just live out your purpose. Like that's why when you ask me about this interview, it's like, bro, that's a no brainer. Like I ain't meet him for no reason. Like why out of all those thousands of people, I got your phone number. You know what I'm saying? Like, or why did I get your Instagram? Why did I talk to you? Like why? why? I do so many interviews and like I'd be on CNN, all type of stuff, but it's like, why him? You know? So it's like, it's a reason, bro. Like, it's, it take your pain and then he give you purpose. So it's like, I tell people all the time, if you follow God, you'll end up somewhere on purpose with purpose. So, My last thing I want to talk about. So I know you, you're you doing a a show or something. I saw something on Instagram. It was, I don't know if it was BET or something or some type of some type of documentary you were doing. Yeah, so that was, that was season one. It's called uh, Central Ave. It's on Fox with uh, I don't know if, I don't know if you guys remember uh, Julissa from uh, what was it 106 Art back in the day, yeah yeah and, uh, it was a Big Tigger or something like that or something like but she's she's the host of the show and then uh, I can't think of the other lady's name but she's an Olympi Olympian a track star but the the guy who made the show is uh 
he's real he's real famous. Will Packer, you heard okay. of him? He's I've done like him. he made the uh, girls trip in those type movies. He produced those. So, but the Kevin Hart type movies, those things. But yeah, so that was season one, and season two is coming up again. So that's why I just started promoting. This concludes our uh, fourth episode of Point of View Uncensored. Um, again, I am Dr. Renaissance. Um, please feel free to follow us on uh, YouTube and social media sites, um, Point of View, hashtag Uncensored. Again, I am Dr. Renaissance. You can look at, look me up on Instagram, uh, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore Renaissance, R-E-N-A-I-S-S-A-N-C-E. Um, so again, this is Dr. Renaissance, including off. Yep, this is uh, Dr. Jake. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, DJ the Great. <laughs>